Can you tell me why? So this is a, a breaking down of a barrier. Can you tell me why? The solution could very well be... Can you tell me why? All of which really begs, I think, a bigger question. It just triggers all our instincts of wanting to know what happens then. Why do universities exist? I know a hell of a lot more now. I mean, how many academics do you want to hear in one day? Hello and welcome back to another episode of Can You Tell Me Why? The podcast where we get surprising answers to difficult questions. My name is Hannah Laxton-Coons. And my name's William Verity. And William, what do you have for us this week? Um, Well, actually, just as we were just about to come on air, I was deep in my Google search for sex robots. Oh, it sounds really dangerous. Um, (laughs) And a story in the Daily Mirror in the UK yesterday that said for £3,500, you can buy this very um, realistic female sex robot who can go between family mode and sex mode. Of course, it's female. Yeah. Um, I think I'll stop going down that road right now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Before I get myself into trouble, uh, unfortunately, for, unfortunately for everybody, maybe this this episode is not about sex. Uh. Although we might do an episode at some stage about that, it's about robots, and this is something which is going to deeply affect everybody's lives, particularly people like you at the start of your career, mm. but also people like me in mid mid career. So this is uh, we are living through an automation revolution right now where robots and automation are really really taking off um and the central question of this podcast what i'm hoping that people will get out of it is that you will be armed that there is nothing we can do about this that you know the threat is coming this doesn't sound promising no please tell me you have good news (laughs) (laughs) i don't know maybe i'm a slightly pessimistic kind of pessimistic kind of person the 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 news is not good um, but that doesn't mean that we are powerless to do anything about it. So I, I think what th- this is, it's really important. I have found this a really important one to do for myself, just to think, well, okay, how can I position myself in competition with robots and win? Mm. Um, because there are many people who will lose, uh, truck drivers being an obvious example. Mm. Uh, I would, if I was starting my career now, I would not be training to be a truck driver. I wouldn't be training to be a bricklayer either. Uh, anything which is repetitive, um, anything which is predictable will be automated. And so there was a, as we will hear, there was a report that came out a couple of years ago, four years ago now, I think, which predicted, uh, and I think has uh, basically has been taken on to be, th- this, this is what will happen. Within 20 years, possibly even 15 years, 50% of the jobs which which currently now exists will will no longer exist. Please tell me that they are going to be replaced by new and even better jobs. So, so there'll be lots more journalists, of course. Oh, great. <laughs> For someone who's just finished their degree in journalism, I am so thrilled. Yeah, so this, so this, this is the thing. So this is what, what I'm hoping that you'll – this will affect you. You, the listener, you need to listen to this. And the reason why this is a really important thing to listen to is because I'm hoping that it will give you some insight into what the future is bringing really quickly. And particularly if you are at the beginning of a career or even if in the middle of a career, you need to think about this very seriously and position yourself in such a way that you will be one of the winners of this revolution and not one of the losers because there are going to be a lot of losers. As apprehensive as I feel right now, I feel like this is going to be very important listening. So I'm keen to jump in. Yes. Okay, let's let's listen to it. In the future, the future is now. 
140 characters or less are robots taking over our lives well I think they're increasingly doing that and I, I one simple example that comes to my mind is that imagine your life without your computer that's it we are totally depending on technology nowadays and by extension gradually the robots will take over our lives I don't know, maybe it'll explode and maybe it'll be a total shit show and everything will blow up and I don't know. But that's sort of the way it seems to be going because kids, they're so, they are, so they're so freaking savvy, like two-year-olds know how to use computers. And stuff. I guess, like, it has both good and bad effects. I mean, people will lose their job, but, I mean, if a lot of people end up losing their jobs, then they probably will change how like the system works and how money is handled i think it'll be interesting for how the future pans out on that because when robots take jobs it'll be what jobs they take and what kind of effect that has i'm not actually certain Therapy animals are amazing, like they're so effective on people with illnesses and elderly and things like that. But they were trying to bring in like robot therapy dogs so they're like in the shape of a dog and stuff in their bath. But it just did not in any way have the same effect. You just couldn't, it just wasn't alive, couldn't have the same connection. So they made a more realistic one, but I think, I don't know, I just think because you know it's just like this little innocent life that is just like, it's so sweet and simple and it just can make you feel so much better that I don't think robots could do that. Right now we're at Unibar and I'm watching someone put gravy on hot chips and it's like the robot would be able to do that but maybe they wouldn't put the gravy exactly where the human would be. I would hope that humans would have control over if robots do that or not. Computers are smarter than I am. Not sure about some other people but they're definitely smarter than me. It would be odd though, I don't know if companies who make robots would allow that to happen. That could be big problemos if, you know, puts people out of work. Give it 150 years of robots running human beings' jobs would just be crazy. There'd be some huge results from it. Is there any part of you that has a conscience where you think actually this program that I'm doing here will replace a number of people's jobs and they're going to be in trouble? Ultimately, if you look at society as a whole, um, I am replacing human effort and we're helping to replace human effort with uh, mechanised effort and somewhere down the line, someone is not doing that work anymore. So, yes... I'm Nathan Larkin and I'm a research fellow here at the University of Wollongong. I help to program industrial robots and to make them more suitable for low volume applications. So typically industrial robots are difficult and costly to program. We make tools to help reduce these costs and allow low volume manufacturing to be more viable with industrial robots. 
So yeah. you're, you're basically taking away the jobs of manufacturing employees. Uh, that's one way of looking at it, yes. I guess my feeling is if I don't do it, someone else is probably going to do it based on the current economy that, that we work in. Um, so I don't know if I was a little aggressive with Nathan there. I mean, that, that does seem to me like a bit... <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna really dig You're myself into. You're a bully. <laughs> Grant, our producer, has asked me to be nice about Nathan. Um, now I'm going to call him an SS guard. Is this okay for a university to be to 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 be creating really misery for you know millions, if not billions, of people? But I have to play devil's advocate here. I know. I mean, I personally am so frustrated about you sitting here in front of me and telling me, yeah, essentially, there's going to be a hell of a lot less jobs out there, but. I mean, how successful is anyone who's ever stood in front of progress? Like, it's a freight train that's hurtling so damn fast down that train line. You are essentially just going to get barreled out of the way. You can't, you know, you can't stop it from happening. Progress is going to happen. Isn't it really kind of our job now to start thinking about how we're going to deal with it? Yeah, uh, no, absolutely, you're right. You can't, you cannot get in the way of progress. Or, I'm not going to call it progress. No, change, change. Yeah, I was going to say progress. It's not has necessarily a... progress. In some areas, it may be, but you're right. You, you you can't do it. It's a bit like um, I'm an ocean swimmer. I love swimming in the ocean. Yeah, and and it's a great metaphor for life because as you're swimming in the ocean, you are buffeted to and fro by these um, currents in the ocean, which are way stronger than you are. And if you fight it, you're just going to be exhausted. If you fight it, you're going to die. <laughs> it's just not going to work for you. That's what you don't do in a rip is fight it. But you can carry on swimming. So even though your swimming is, is, is much weaker than these massive currents that are floating you around, you can still aim in a certain direction. You can do your best to get into a certain direction. And I think what, that, this is what we have to do here. This massive tsunami of robots is about to overtake us, but... There are places we can hide. Okay, well, I'm giving you like the next 15 minutes to give me a solution to this problem. All right, let's hope. <laughs> Tell us about machine learning, where it's no longer you designing it, it's the machine designing itself. You put in some inputs and you train it on what the expected outputs are. And within the algorithm, it's able to reconfigure itself such that it's able to conform those inputs to produce that particular output and that's something that is really improving the way that computers and automation are able to achieve things. So is that going to put you out of a job sooner or later, the machine learning? What I do could be replaced with machine learning. I mean, the input is computer design models, the output is a robot program, and with enough input and output data, it is feasibly possible that sometime in the future, an algorithm may be able to handle that. The future. The future is now. In the future. The future is now. Roboticize or perish. Because if you don't introduce robots in your business, your competitors will do that and you would be out of business fairly soon. My name is uh, Eduardo Paul. I am senior lecturer in economics, working currently in the Faculty of Business.
that's not a new thing, is it? From the Industrial Revolution and probably a long time before that, that's happened. And as you alluded to, the Luddites said this is going to be the end of the world. It wasn't the end of the world. In fact, every time we've done this, more and more jobs have been created. Isn't that going to happen with the robot economy too? I have my concerns about whether we can use historical extrapolations to say there is nothing to worry about. Because uh, the biggest issue here is that there has been reports that uh, actually created this revival about the issue of technological unemployment. And the revival of the problem has a specific date. It's the 17th of September 2013 when two researchers from Oxford University published that report claiming that 47% of the U.S. jobs were at risk of automation in the next one or two decades. Your prediction is pretty grim, isn't it? What I'm doing there is following the economic logic. And the economic logic strongly suggests that we are moving to a stage of uh, technological unemployment. Okay, so that obviously is a key point of this, this idea of technological unemployment, which is a new concept. Mm. And the big question here, the big issue is how large, not not is it going to happen, but how, how many people are going to be technologically unemployed. So we're past talking about if and starting to talk about what. Yeah, absolutely, as we are just about to hear, actually. The biggest issue here is that technology is replacing mental power. It means that technology is capturing those at least repetitive tasks and that means that unless you have the right skills you might have difficulties in getting a job in the not-too-distant future. I would like to mention a very recent case here in Australia with the National Australia Bank. On the 2nd of November, the National Australia Bank announced that in the next three years they will sack 6,000 employees, they will have new employees, to be more precise, 2,000 new employees, but they come from the area of automation, artificial intelligence, and uh, robotics. So when you make the difference, you know, number of jobs taken by robots, 6,000. Number of jobs taken by humans, 2,000. There is a gap there. You could argue clearly, well, those workers will find jobs in other areas, but in any case... It remains to be seen how those people are going to acquire the skills at a reasonable speed in order to be able to go back to the labor market. What are the skills that we are going to need if we are going to be employed? You know, for a 20-year-old student, for instance, what, what's your advice to a 20-year-old student? What skills do they need to survive for a lifetime in employment? Well, my advice would be, first and foremost, avoid specialization in repetitive tasks. 
because those are where the new technology will go. Okay, so give me a list of things where there are jobs at the moment which are going to disappear. Well, for example, we can mention the case of bookkeepers, secretaries, bank tellers. All those activities are repetitive tasks and technology is capturing them very, very soon. So what about university lecturers? When I can hear a lecture from the top expert from the University of Harvard on the robot economy, why do I need Professor Eduardo Paul? Well, strictly speaking, the answer is that probably you don't need me unless I have a competitive advantage on the Harvard professor, which I believe that I would be <laughs> ready to compete with them. But that's another issue. The point here... Well, I mean, it's not, it's not another issue because when we, uh, a robot's taking over our lives, well, it might be taking over your life too. Without doubt. There are some professions which you believe are going to be okay. There's still going to be a Prime Minister of Australia. That's not going to be a robot. But there are some quite surprising ones too, aren't there? So hairdressers would be a good one to go for. Yeah, that's right. Well, I was about to mention that the problem is with the repetitive tasks. Now, there are other tasks that are not repetitive, and they, technically speaking, they are called non-routine tasks. And those are the tasks that you cannot put that in a software program. And typical case is a hairdresser or a physiotherapist or a financial analyst or a, a, an economic analyst. It's not easy to put those skills in a software program. All right, okay, so I feel like it's not all bad news. It's clear there that if you're getting, if you're looking to get a job in a task that isn't repetitive, then you're probably feeling pretty okay at this point. Yeah, I, th I actually think EQ has got something to do with it. So if you're good at, uh, you know, machines don't do emotions all that well. Mm. So if there's something that has some kind of high EQ thing, something where you need to read, um, you need to read emotions, you need to be... Therapists? Re th well, therapists, clearly. Yeah. I mean, and maybe is that the point now? Should we, you know, before you jump in and start taking just any old degree because you feel the pressure that your parents are, you know, writing your case to go out there and get qualified, maybe you should think, hey, okay, you know, what kind of jobs are they going to be down the track? And, you know, by the sounds of things, in 20 years, that could be really different. Yes. Well, and I think people do that anyway, don't they? I mean, they look at, you know, oh, we're, we're, know. really? <laughs> we just, and oh, this is another argument. So whether you should study what you love or yeah. whether you should, you should, your head should play more of a part. It's a head-heart thing, Maybe a bit of both. Mm. Maybe a bit of both. Um, if you love something and it's really repetitive and it means that you're going to put a lot of money into a degree and then 20 years down the track there's going to be no job for you, what do you do? Well, you hope that by, you know, like uh, that's exactly my scenario. So mm. I, I started out at the age of 23 as a journalist where it seemed like newspapers were going to last forever. So I was a newspaper journalist for 20 years. And then, um, and then here we are. So you... I, I, to some extent, I think you just kind of have to dive in, and when the future happens, the future happens. But you, see, you have to—it's a—it's a subtle thing, isn't it? You have to keep a weather eye on. I mean, you know, you need to earn money. Yeah, keep your wits about you. Keep your wits about you, and stay flexible, and and never stop learning. Mm. If a robot is able to provide the same task 
at the lower cost or maybe with more efficiency, the manager who must be a cost-minimizing creature will go for the robot. My advice to students is go for non-routine tasks. That's a way of buying insurance against technological unemployment. If it doesn't happen, great, great for everyone. But if it happens, you are protected. Wow, all right. Okay. Are you depressed yet? <sighs> a little. I mean, but I feel like the, the the interesting thing about the future is that it is so unpredictable. I mean, if we were to schedule a meeting 10 years from now, who knows what it would be like? I mean, it's only speculation, I suppose. But but also, I know I know the, the, the wonderful Eduardo Paul says, look, maybe history you, you cannot be yeah. our guide here. But if, if we just ignore him for one minute. <laughs> and ha- I mean, there was some Everything funny... we just listened to, just <laughs> yes, forget just, it ever happened. Just, uh, just accept that he know. What does he know anyway? There, there were some god-awful jobs that people used to, people used to do. Yeah. And I, I've witnessed them in factories where people did literally kind of put turning a screw all day, you know, on, on repetitive... There's a movie where people... Uh, have to put the lids. Is that Charlie and the Chocolate Factory putting the lids? No, Charlie on Chaplin. The, modern times. Oh no, I was thinking like putting lids on toothpaste, um, like bottles. Yes, well that kind <laughs> of work. I mean, like that is not a life, and machines have eliminated those jobs. And thank God for that. So maybe, maybe the the, the future is is great. It's going to be about human interaction. Yeah. So. Uh, so what you're saying is maybe these robots are going to force people into jobs where there's going to be more human interaction. They're going to be nurses and they're going to be teachers and they're going to have that, you know, one-on-one or, you know, person-to-person interaction that's really important. Yeah. I, I, my sense, uh, not being a, an economist or having any evidence for this at all, my sense, though, that looking at the way the world is working is that it's going to be really good for some people. And, and really re- bad for everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's just about Just make it. sure you're on the right side of history, guys. All right. Okay, so that's about it for this time. What have we got coming up? From one uplifting topic to another, I would like to bring up the topic of housing. I mean... Everyone has heard the millennial saga and, you know, as a 22-year-old who has just entered the renting market, I want to get out as fast as I possibly can. And, I mean, it's turned into a bit of a rabbit warren trying to find an answer because we do need an answer to the current housing market. No matter who you are, you can't really deny that it is really unattainable for a huge portion of people, particularly young people at the moment. And as I go on to find out, they're just... It's really hard to get an answer as to how this even happened in the first place. It just makes no sense to me whatsoever. We live on one of the sparse, most sparsely populated continents in the world. How did this happen? With, we're one of the richest countries in the world. We're one of the most resources, and yet we can't live. Yeah, you need to be. You need to have at least half a million dollars if you're going to want to be able to get a house. And you know, you may not even be able to live where you want to live. So, yeah, I mean, it's a tricky one, but. I'm on the hunt to get an answer. All right. Well, if you can give me an answer, that'd be great. So <laughs> let, let's hear a bit from, from next time. 
it's kind of unattainable. I haven't even thought about looking at moving or buying a house just because it doesn't seem like it'd be within the realm of possibility. So far beyond me. When I see my friends, 22 year olds, buying a block of land or like put a down payment on a house or you know something like that I'm like that is an actual world away from me right now like I am wondering can I afford my next grocery trip. People like that idea of having a place that is their own that nobody else can can throw them out of that they feel secure and they can bring up a family or, or, or whatever. Alright, so that's all we've got time for this time on Can You Tell Me Why, the podcast where we get surprising answers to difficult questions. If you'd like to find out more, make sure you head over to stand.uow.edu.au. That's stand.uow.edu.au. My name is Hannah Laxton-Kuntz. And my name's William Verity. And we'll see you next time. See you.